0: Father, we we ask over the rest of this worship service that all of the things we would do would bring glory and honor to you. That as we move from here and as we come to your word, Lord, we we want to hear you speak to us. We, We really want to know what you have to say. And so we pray that you would do that as we come to your word and that anything that may hinder us any distractions, any frustrations that are going on in our minds or hearts, Lord, that you would remove any of those things so that we could focus on what you have to say and hear what you have to say clearly. So, Lord, we pray that you would speak, and we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're working our way through Titus still, and we're on Titus chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Titus chapter 2. And we're doing verses 1 through 10 this morning. Paul writes to Titus, You must teach what is in in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, To try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Well, I have to thank uh, Deb Tallman for an article that she shared last week that I'm going to reference this morning, and as I read it, I thought, boy, this fits exactly with what I'm going to be talking about this week, or actually... The situation it was describing actually speaks exactly opposite of what I'm trying to talk about this week. It was describing a church, sadly, in Minnesota, a church in Minnesota that has been struggling for a long time. They've been just kind of declining in attendance, declining in fervor. It's just been kind of going downhill for a long time. And so they wanted to try to get things going. They wanted to breathe new life into the church, and so they hired a new young guy with a new young family to come in and help get the church back up and running and have things going. And his solution was kick out all the old people. Seriously. Actually, it's even worse. His his decision was we're going to close the church and then reopen it in the same location two months later and tell all the old people not to come back. Maybe, after two years, you can think about coming back, but but otherwise, stay away now is that ridiculous or what I'm, I'm glad i everybody I'm thinking this is not honoring to God in any sort of way no no way, shape or form is this an honoring honoring to god and, and even if even if that church were to go off and do this and bring in all these young people and all these young families and have this youthful spirit and, and growing in numbers, I would say that church is a failure. Because it's taken a part of the body of Christ and hacked it off and said, we don't want you. And actually they said, without saying it, you're the problem. You're the reason we're not growing because you've got a bunch of old stodgy people in our church. And I'm going to say that that's never the way to do church. That's never biblical, and it's never honoring to God. That any time a church takes the older people in the church and pushes them off to the side and says, you're kind of part of the problem, we don't want you, um, they're not heading to on a path toward health, they're heading toward destruction. And, and it's throughout Scripture, there's, there's a pattern that, that we need people in our lives to imitate us. No. Well, yeah, we need people in our lives who imitate us, but we need people in our lives who we're going to imitate as well. And so I, I picked a few passages, but there's quite a few. But Paul says in first, first Corinthians, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so he says, hey, I'm following Christ. And he looks at the church and says, OK, follow me as I follow Christ. You, you look at my example, see how I'm living and and live that way. In Philippians, he says, Join with others in following my example, brothers. And then take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. And so he says, as, as the Apostle Paul, look at how I'm living and follow my example. And then look around your church at other people who are living out their faith and then learn from them and follow their example too. And even in Hebrews, it says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you consider the outcome of their way of life, and then imitate their faith. That God has created us to need examples in our lives. We need to be able to see people who are living out what is taught in Scripture. So it's it's important for us to study Scripture. It's important for us to know it. But then we need to be able to see people who are living it out in their lives, who are kind of visual representations of it. And, and, and so if we're going to do that, if we're going to be living in a community where people are, are leading by example and then following the example of others, we need to be living in community. We need to do life with each other. And so we're going to talk about that. And one of the typical ways that Scripture talks about this necessity is that older members disciple the younger members in the church. That's kind of a typical pattern throughout all of Scripture. And in this chapter in particular, it's saying older members disciple the younger members of the church. And so there's a lot of fine details in this passage that we could get into. And I'm not going to get into them today because I want to cover the big overarching principle. And so um, you can go home this afternoon and study deeper at some of the finer details of what this one's talking about. But the, the overarching principle is... This generational discipleship. And so Paul says, explicitly says, teach the older women to train the younger women. So it's just pretty explicit. Older women, your job in the church is to be discipling the younger women of the church. But, but it also starts off with that word likewise. So he had just gotten done talking about the older men in the church said, you need to be these type of men. And then he says, likewise, the older women need to be a certain type of people and they need to train the younger women. And then after that he says, and then likewise, train the younger men. And so this whole passage is saying, older men in the church, your job is to disciple the younger men of the church. Older women in the church, your job is to disciple the younger women of the church. And I can say that, both sides of the generation actually want this. Not everybody realizes that both sides want it, but both sides want it. And so before coming to this church, I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and, and I, worked, I worked really hard at trying to make sure our youth group was not some little clique in the corner of our church, all the young people hanging out here and then the old people over here, and, and we don't ever talk to each other. I tried to work hard to keep that from happening, and so we worked We would get lots of the older people of our church and try to get them mingling with the teenagers. And one of the easiest ways we did it was just to have older people come in and just tell stories to the kids about life. Here's something that happened to me that was really funny. One of the elders in our church was telling our youth group about some of the pranks that they pulled in the little Christian school that they went in. And that was kind of funny to them. But they would talk about, here's a really difficult time in my life where God was faithful and pulled me through and here's another time where where God blessed me in a in a big way and they would come in and they would just tell these stories to our youth group but as I would go around our congregation trying to get older people to come in I usually got two responses it usually was well I don't really think they want to hear what I have to say or it was I, I really don't have anything to offer these young people. I, I just, I don't, why, do, why would you want me to come in? And yet, every year, um, at, the end of our, at the end of our youth group year, we always had a big bonfire, and we had our, our teenagers share highlights and impacts from the year. So what was the, the funnest thing that we did all year, and what was the way that God impacted your life this year? And every year, half of the group referenced one of the older members' stories as being the thing that impacted their life that year. So-and-so came in and told us about this time in their life, and that impacted me over the whole year. And so the younger people want it. I mean, younger people really do want to be discipled by older people. They, they, they see that you have something that they don't have. You have experience. You have wisdom. You've been through things that they haven't been through. And so they want... To learn from you. And so if you are an older person, that means the young people really do need you. And they want you to come in and disciple them. There's another thing, though, that I've noticed has been um, a hindrance when, when, when trying to do uh, intergenerational discipleship. Having older people disciple younger people. And, and I have to say, when I talk about this one, I could step on toes. But I feel like I have to. So I'm not going to like stepping on toes, but, but I'm going to say it nonetheless. Um, and I'll just give one kind of story that happened in, in, in a church that represents a bigger thing. I, I, like I said, I worked really hard in our church to try to get the younger people and the older people interacting with one another. That was one of my biggest jobs. And yet um, I had one Sunday I had somebody come up to me and say, Um, share a concern with me, and they said, Jason, I'm really concerned. It seems like the youth group is always kind of over here talking, and the old people are always over here talking, and I feel like they're not talking to each other, so you should do something about that. And I said, "Um, have you ever gone over and talked to them? Well, no. Well, why not? Well, I and, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I'm just saying, doesn't the responsibility to break that trend lie on the older, more mature, experienced people in the church? Now, there's a responsibility with the young people to break out, too. But, but if, if the older people are noticing a, a trend in the, in the younger generations that they, that they have an issue with, the responsibility lies with you. As the responsible, old, mature people in the church whom God has given responsibility. And so if you notice something going on with the younger generation, rather than being angry and just complaining about it, I'm saying, go do something. So if you notice the younger generation hanging out over here and not talking to the old people, be the old person that goes over and says, hey, what are you talking about? And just talk to them. Or if you notice that the younger generation isn't stepping up and doing the jobs around the church that need to get done, rather than complaining about it, go up to a younger person and say, hey, do you want to come with me and help me set up chairs, help me mow the lawn, help me do something, and grab them by the shoulder and bring them along and show them how to do it. Because the the reality is they need to be discipled. They need to be shown how to do this kind of stuff. They need people in their lives showing them how to do it, and God's put you in their life to be that person to do it. And so I always say complaining really does us no good, ever. Uh, We have to do something about our, our whining. And so if we see an issue, let's step in and start discipling people. That's really what needs to happen. We really need older men discipling younger men, and we need older women discipling younger women. And as we disciple them, it's pretty comprehensive what, what Paul um, wants us to talk about and, and how we disciple people. He tells Titus, who's a, a young pastor, he says, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. And in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed. Because they have nothing bad to say about us. So, what what do we need to disciple people? If you're an older woman and you're trying to figure out what you should disciple the younger women in, which areas of their life should you disciple them in? Paul says, just in everything. <laughs> in everything. Every aspect of your life. Set an example by doing what is good and by teaching what is right. See, I told you that whole life and doctrine thing is going to come up over and over and over again. Set an example by doing what is good and by teaching what is right and making sure your life lines up with what you're teaching. And then in every aspect of your life, show them what it's like. And older men, if you're not sure how you should be discipling younger men, disciple them in everything. And that's why Paul, he gets into real details in this passage. He starts talking about disciple them and how they should work, how they should relate with their spouse, how they should treat their children, how they should, how they should respond when difficult situations come their way, how they should respond in, in faith, how they should live out their faith, how they should read their Bibles. Well, Paul doesn't talk about reading their Bibles, but you get what I'm saying. Kind of Every aspect of life, family, work, church, community is involved in this discipleship process because our faith touches every aspect of our lives. And so as we're discipling people to live out the Christian faith in this world, we help them do that in every aspect of their lives. And one of the reasons why this is the case is because this passage is focused more on discipling people to be a certain type of person rather than to do certain types of things. Okay, I hope hope I get this through... So being a person is different than just doing certain types of things. And so, like I've said before, the Christian faith is always about works that flow from the heart first. And so we all know that if we have kids and we tell them to clean their room and they do it muttering and puttering the whole time, they're not really being obedient. They're just doing it, but they're not being obedient from the heart. And, and the Christian faith is the same way. If you If you do all of the right Christian things, but you do it muttering and puttering and angry at God, he says, this is not really obedience. But if you do it from the heart and your heart is changed and then out of a changed heart, your actions start coming from it, that's what true obedience is. And so, that's why Paul says the core of discipleship is for older men to be a certain type of person. And for older women to be a certain type of person. At your core... You should be a certain type of person. And the short answer is you should be someone who's being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Your life should become more and more like Christ. And as your life becomes more like Him, that affects every aspect of your life. You are that person at work. You are that person in the community. You are that person in church. And you are that person at home. And so that affects how you do everything. And so we want to... Character development is a big part of this. And this kind of seems like an overwhelming, unattainable goal in some ways, right? So I, you want me to disciple somebody and you want me to just disciple every single aspect of their life. Go do it. And and I, one of the things that stood out to me as I, as I went through this passage was Um, The different ways he uses the word teach or train or equip and 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 in the English they translate him a lot of as teach but in the Greek there was like four different words used for teach or train or equip and they have all these different nuances to them and they're all basically saying teach but they have this idea of formal teaching and informal teaching and as I thought about that I was just picturing Jesus and the way he discipled his disciples right? So your homework is to go home, read through Matthew, and then as you read through Matthew, pay attention to how Jesus discipled the disciples. Because he did formal teaching, so when you get to the Sermon on the Mount, it says he took his disciples, brought them up on a hill, and sat them down and said, I'm going to teach you. And then he teaches them the Sermon on the Mount. So that's a formal teaching thing. So Sunday school, Bible studies, those preaching, this is all good formal stuff. But... He also just kind of walked around with them. And as they walked down the road, they came out to a fig tree and he said, Hey, see this fig tree? This this has something to do with the Christian life. And he taught them about it just informally. And they ate food together and they worked together and they did ministry together. And they just hung around each other all the time. And as they hung around, Jesus, who is the perfect example... They were discipled by Him. They were shaped by Him. They saw Him living out the truth of the Christian faith. And then, as Jesus was leaving, He you know, he died, He rose again, and He was ascending into heaven. Right as He went to ascend into heaven, He looked at His disciples and He said, alright, your job now is to go make disciples. And not surprisingly, they thought, okay, we need to make disciples in the same way that Jesus made disciples and so we're going to Do life together. We're going to do some formal teaching. We're going to hang out together. We're going to do things and just do life together. And as they do life together, you disciple people in every aspect of life. And so as you just do life with someone, if you're an older man and you grab a younger man and you go out and you start mowing the lawn and raking the lawn, there's opportunities to teach them what it looks like to be a Christian who's working, but then conversations come up about struggles in their life and you can talk about that. And just doing life comes that way. And the same thing with older women and younger women. Sometimes we make it too complicated. Sometimes it just, we just need to get together and hang out. Um, Rachel and I learned how to be Christian parents from a small group for young adults that had no kids. Because the leaders had kids. And they were Christian parents. And as we ate lunch and did stuff before and after, we watched them parent their kids. And we went, this is what it looks like to be a Christian parent. So We learned. And that had nothing to do with the Bible study. But that's probably the most important thing we learned. We're just doing life with people. And as and it's you saying, I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to look at Him and I'm going to go after Him and I'm going to grab you by the arm and say, come with me because we're going to Christ. Because that's the goal of all all discipleship. It's the goal of all of life is for us to become more and more like Christ. I like how Paul ends the chapter. He says... The goal is actually that in every way we would make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. There again, life and doctrine, right? We would live in such a way that the teaching about God would be attractive, that that people would see the way we live and say, that's beautiful. I mean, the Christian life is really a beautiful life. It's a life that other people will look at and and see as beautiful. I mean, I've, I've interacted with a lot of atheists, agnostics, skeptics, Wiccans. I mean, you name it, I've interacted with them. And there's not one of them that I say, do you think Jesus' life was ugly? No. They reject him. He's not the Messiah, but his life was beautiful. I think he was a good teacher. He was a great guy. I thought, And so they see Jesus' life and they say his life was beautiful. It was attractive even though they reject him. And so the goal of the Christian life as we become more like Jesus is that our lives would become more and more beautiful as well. And that's why discipleship is all about saying, follow me as I follow Christ. It's about you first and foremost pursuing Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then loving your neighbor as yourself by Grabbing them along and saying, Hey, come love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength with me as we buy groceries, as we watch our kids play in the park, as we go out fishing, as we go whatever. You bring along people with you to do life. And as you do life together like this, worshiping God in community, then your life is shaped to become more like Jesus and their life is shaped to become more like Jesus and the church becomes more beautiful Living out the lives that God has created us to live. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and just give you thanks for the promises that you've given to your church. That you will be faithful to us from generation to generation to generation. We thank You for the way that You raise up people and, and use them as examples and as mentors and as disciples, disciplers in our lives. Father, help us to be the type of people that grab people by the arm and disciple them and raise them up. Help us to be the type of people that are open to being discipled. Lord, help us as a church to, to grow in our ability to, to disciple one another and to lead by example and and to bring us into a bigger and more beautiful picture of who the body of Christ should be. Lord, we ask that you would do that. We ask that you would bless us in that. And we ask that your spirit would come in and guide us so that the older men would begin to disciple younger men and the older women would begin to disciple younger women and we would see this intergenerational discipleship happening. And we pray that you would bless it by bringing all of us closer to You and transforming our lives to look more like You. And all God's people said, Amen.